In walking through this idea of pursuing holiness from the book of James, it's caused me to reminisce about many of the believers that I've met over the years. Some of them have been right here domestically in the United States where I have served as a pastor, and others are the ones that I've met all across the world. Maybe like you, uh, there's some mission trips that are in my background where I've been able to meet believers in different parts of the world that were serving in very different circumstances where pursuing holiness for them had a, a different set of, of life priorities. And I remember being in, in places like the Middle East among Arabic Christians or down in on the island of Cuba around believers that had met in underground churches and secret churches for a while or even church planters that were in the Ukraine and Belarus, Russia, Romania. And one of the things that I always found to be so constant with these believers from other parts of the world is that they would say to me, we need you to teach us. And I always left those trips remembering how much they had taught me. That even though I had shown up to do some kind of service, ministry, training for pastors in order to bring about growth in their life, I had to, somewhere along the way, always remind myself to pursue the way of humility. Because these were men and women, these were sometimes teenagers and even children who were humbly serving Christ in such a way that I needed to be reminded what holiness really looks like. That it's not having the right ethical standards and saying, well, that's it, I chose the right thing to do today, I must be holy but rather that holiness is this pursuit of a life that is totally and unalterably set apart for the will and the ways of God. And I would witness that in the lives of Christians all around the world. Pursuing holiness is this active decision to live under God's will that is not just for the benefit of yourself standing in one little circle to see what it will do for you, but it's for the benefit of God's glory, to put on display the reputation of Jesus, but it also benefits everybody around you. Which, when we look into the fourth chapter of James, we see him press us toward this idea of living humbly. Because holiness demands the abandonment of selfish whims, and wishes, and wants. You and I are going to constantly crave for the world's gains. That is the natural disposition of your heart until Jesus intersects your life. And then He begins to transform you. He is sanctifying you, helping you to be holy. I mean, you've got a righteous standing before God because of what Jesus has done on the cross in your place in spite of our sin and our shame. He is resurrected from the dead and He's covered all of our iniquities. And so He has changed our eternal trajectory, and now day by day, He is sanctifying our lives and our hearts so that we will look more and more like Him. But there is this false God that always chases after us. Now in the Old Testament, there was an actual false God that a lot of people worshipped. It, its name was Baal. And there are a lot of technical definitions as to what it is that people worship trying to get from Baal. It, he was a god of harvest and a god of fertility. But just to put it in kind of everyday terms, Baal was the god of more. And that's what the opposite of the pursuit of holiness is. It's when you want more of the world. 
And there are a lot of us that are still chasing after the God of Baal in this world. We want more of our own whims and our wishes and our wants, and we treat God like He was a sanctified Santa Claus, that He's going to give good gifts to good boys and girls, and all the bad boys and girls are going to get coal and switches in their stockings. Or we treat God like He's just a cosmic cop who's there to keep all of the traffic moving and to make sure that you don't have any wrecks on your way to work. But there's so much more if you will abandon those temporary wish lists. In James chapter 4, verse 4, he gives us this severe warning where he says, You adulterous people. I mean, that is harsh, but sometimes it's necessary. He says, You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hostility toward God? So whoever wants to be the friend of the world becomes the enemy of God? It is a tough word from James, but it's a necessary one that we understand that if we're going to pursue holiness, which means the way of humility, you can't split your time to say that, well, Jesus, you can have me some of the time, but the world, it's got some really cool stuff over there, and I want to keep serving it, and I want to keep finding my happiness and my pleasure there. Instead, we need to understand that 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 means that we would have an adulterous heart that we are splitting our covenant relationship somehow, and that by definition would make us an adulterous people. Instead, if you skip down one verse to James chapter 4, verse 6, he reminds us, but he gives greater grace. Therefore, he says, God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. The grace that you need to live the way of humility that guides you to the holy life that is separated from the will and the ways of God is empowered not by your own religious knowledge. It's not going to be empowered by some kind of behavior modification. It's not even going to be empowered by the fact that God may have a treasure chest of all sorts of good stuff in heaven that He could shower you with all sorts of physical blessings. It's empowered by His grace. It is the gift of God that you never earned. It is His goodness and His righteousness that is gifted into your life. Grace is receiving the gift that you didn't earn. And humbly following God is the way to know when to celebrate and even when to mourn. It's living by His will that allows you to know the difference between the divine plans that God has for all of us and the childish whims that sometimes we live by. When we decide that we're going to live by our childish whims, we leave grace behind. We decide that we're going to live by our own strength, uh, by our own ethical fortitude. We decide that somehow we can figure out the plans that we need. That as we look up and down the, uh, the streets of our lives and we take a look at our neighbors and we think about our coworkers, suddenly when we live by our own strength, grace goes out the window because you start looking at it through the lens of me. How can I be benefited? How can these people further my plans? How can I use these people in such a way that I can be more valuable in everybody's lives? Rather than valuing the grace of God that's already active in the lives of other people. The way of holiness means that you're living like Jesus. And Jesus comes as a servant surrendering everything that would have benefited Him for the good of the people around Him. He comes as the sacrifice, as the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 
And so don't try to rev up a plan for your life that's going to be beneficial just for you. Instead, live by the greater grace of God that comes to the humble so that you can participate in the will of God for the world. Later on in this chapter, in verses 15 through 17, it says, Instead, you should say, If the Lord wills, we will live and do this or that. But as it is, you boast in your arrogance. All such boasting is evil. So it is sin to know the good and yet not do it. Don't try to make up God's plan for Him. It is a tempting thing to do. We look around at the details of our work life and our family life. We think exactly, and we know exactly what our kids need, our spouse needs, our friends need. We think we know everything that ought to happen, or at least what we want to happen. And we start making up all of these plans, and then we say to God, Hey God, here's a really great plan. Will you please bless it? But instead, we can take the posture of humility, and we can say to the Lord, Lord, what is it that would most benefit your kingdom? What is it that's going to bring glory to the name of Jesus today? How is it that I can separate my life out from all of the pleasures of the world that are going to deceive me anyway so that I can live according to your will in such a way as that your kingdom will be expanded? The humility before God that we can have must translate into humble service for others. Rather than deciding that you're first and everybody else is second or all the way down to last, rather than being the judge, the way of humility is to be the servant. Again, here in chapter 4 of James, it says in verse 7, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. It says in verse 8, Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. And then he says in verse 10, Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will exalt you. Now that tenth verse is almost a little bit of an oddity in the middle of all of the chapter because it's all of this language and it's this encouragement about humbling yourself and being a servant and finding the will of God. But here in the middle of it, he does say, if you'll humble yourself before God at the right time, in the right way, under the right circumstances, you will be exalted. But it's all inside of the boundary markers of this relationship, this covenant that you have with Jesus. It is that when Jesus wins, we win with Him. The humility before God can be used by the King to benefit His kingdom and everybody else around you. Think about the small group that you're in. How is it that you can humbly serve the people that are sitting right next to you? How it is that you, you can serve Christ in such a way that He can use you in their lives in order to further His work in the world. The life of holiness is one that is lived with everyone else in mind, not a solitary lifestyle somewhere separated from everybody else so that they don't mess up your life, but rather right in the midst of all of your friends, both old and new, so that the glory of God can be shown forth through your life and it can be extended into the people who need grace, and that's everybody.